Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Amen. You know, as I pondered that scripture, it wasn't really my start scripture, but it came to me later. It occurred to me that things ought to recognize their season. I said things ought to recognize their season. People ought to recognize their season. Which season are you in? Amen. Because the scripture says to everything there is a season. Amen. And it says, and a time for every purpose under heaven. Therefore, purpose has to recognize time. I said purpose has to recognize time. Amen. There's a popular adage that is, we've heard and heard and heard, just a cliche. It goes like, there is no time like the present. There is no time like the present. Why? Because now is all that we are assured of. Right now is what we are assured of. Amen. Yesterday is gone. Can't do anything about it. Okay, tomorrow is up ahead. We are not sure what's going to happen. But right now, in this place, in this time, we have this moment. Amen. So purpose has to recognize time. Amen. In Hebrews 11 and verse 1, you know, it says, now faith is. That's how it begins. Now faith is. Right now, faith is. In other words, faith is now. Right now is faith. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. Right now, in this moment, is faith. Amen. Therefore, when you think about it, purpose connects to faith and connects to now. Your purpose connects to faith and connects to right now. So in other words, do something now toward your purpose. Right now, do something that's going toward your purpose. Amen. Anyone who understands their purpose and can understand God's times and seasons is already ahead in life. Even life itself it's a specific opportunity with time constraints. You have a day you were born, and there's going to be a day you died. So life itself is an opportunity within a space of time. Hallelujah. And there's time constraints to your life and to mine. Amen. I want us to look at Jacob. Jacob was running away from Esau's wrath. You know, most of the time when we think about it, we think he's like a 20-year-old running away, you know, a young man, something like that. But when you look at the biblical math, he was more, most likely about 63 years old. Yes, when he had this thing with his brother and took the birthright and the blessing and had to run away, he was already quite an, a mature man. I don't want to say an old man because they were living longer years in those days. Okay, so he was kind of middle-aged if you consider how much, how much time they had in life at that time. But he was about age 63 when he was running away from Esau's wrath. You see, in a later scripture, when he's running away, he describes that he had nothing with him, only a staff. He didn't leave like on a journey where you've got all your pajamas and your toothbrush and you have, you know, the suit you're going to wear to the next meeting and then um, three more shirts. No, this guy had to pick up and go, okay? And in a later scripture, he talks about it and says, I had a staff with me. That's about it. 
Now, as he was going, this is a man who had, you know, to, in, in want of words to say, you know, he had messed up his life, as it were. He had messed up. He had to flee. He was a refugee. He was a fugitive. He had to flee where he was. And he had to go elsewhere in the middle of life, not a young man with prospects, but in the middle of his life, to pack up, pick up, and go somewhere else. He didn't know what was going to happen to him there. He had nothing to invest, nothing to start with. And some of you who are um, immigrants and stuff, you know some of these things. You know the suitcase you brought. You know, you know how you didn't know where you were going to step. Some of you know this even in your lives that you've had to move from here to there or you were involved in this career and all of a sudden it was over and you had to start afresh somewhere else. This is how it was with Jacob except that he also had, you know, um, he, he, was, he had a low self-esteem, he was scared. All of these things were with Jacob as he was running away. The Bible tells us that he got to a place called Luz or Luz. I think I'm going to say lose. I like lose. L-U-Z. Lose. And when I look in the Bible, that word means crooked, twisted, or perverse. So he got to a place that wasn't a good place. And it was nighttime. He couldn't keep walking in the dark. So he had nowhere to sleep overnight except in a place called twisted, crooked, or perverse. I mean, who wants to be in such a place overnight with no protection? So imagine him at nightfall in this place. Imagine him. And you know what? As he fell asleep that night, God gave him a dream. In that perverse, twisted, and crooked place, God gave him a dream. In the moment of his defeat, in the moment when he was fleeing, he was a fugitive and a refugee, I said, God gave him a dream. I'm here to tell someone that you may be in a tight place and God will give you a dream. I said God will give you a dream. Hallelujah. If he did it for Jacob, he can do it for you. Amen. Praise God. You see, a dream is the way out of a limiting place. A dream is God's way out of a limiting place. So some of you need a dream. Some of you need a dream to get out of a limiting place. You know, when um, Peter was explaining the Holy Spirit baptism and speaking in tongues, he referenced Joel 2.28 in Acts 2.16. And if you put up Acts 2.16 for me, it says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants, my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I said, it is God's intention for you to dream dreams. It's God's intention for you to see visions. It's God's intention for you to prophesy. What are these things? Dreams, visions, and prophecy. It's the mind of God. God is just saying, I'm going to release my mind to you. I'm going to release my thoughts to you. I'm going to release the future to you. This is what it means, whether you're having a vision, whether you're having a dream, or whether you're having a prophecy, God is revealing his mind to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 139, David says in that uh, prophetic piece, what does he say? He says that God says his thoughts towards us outnumber the sand on the seashore. 
every day God has thought towards you that he's releasing. He said, it's towards you. It's towards you. It's towards you. But are you catching it? Are you catching it? Are you catching it? Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians 2 9 also says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I said for who? Those who love him. Do you love the Lord? Do you have love for the Lord? Is he your number one? Hallelujah. Do you love him? Because he has things prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. But God says that even though I has not seen nor ear heard nor mind has understood. Verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He didn't say God is going to reveal them. What did he say? He said God has revealed them. This thing is already revealed in the spirit. I said it's already revealed in your spirit. It's already revealed in Holy Spirit in you. But your soul has to download it. I said your soul has to download it. Because when your soul downloads it, then you know those things. Okay, that are revealed in the spirit about you. Therefore, it's important to dream dreams. Because the dream unfolds those things that God has downloaded in the spirit concerning you. Because the things he thinks towards you are all in those things. Hallelujah. In the spirit, in your Holy Spirit, in your spirit. Hallelujah. When you dream and it comes up to you, then you begin to know what God is saying about you. Amen. So those of you who haven't received Holy Spirit baptism, receive it. I said, go after it. I said, go after it. It's not a funky thing. It's not a weird thing. It's God's way of revealing his thoughts to you. Amen. Praise God. And when you receive baptism, ask God for a dream. Amen. Jacob had a dream. Genesis 28 verse 12, reading down, he says, Then he dreamed, this was that night in that place called Luz. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the of the earth, you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Amen. You know, this is such a powerful revelation. Everybody knows this story in the Bible. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know this story. It's such a powerful revelation of a man in the worst situation of his life, falling asleep with his head on a stone in a place called twisted, crooked, or perverse, probably afraid for his, his life. And in the night, God gives him a dream. 
God gives him a dream. And not only does God give him a dream, God appears in the dream. And God speaks to him about his life. I tell you, God is speaking to you about your life. You need to be in that place to receive it. He's speaking to you. You know, the other day, there was a little story about one of the young boys who, who, is, who goes to our church. And, you know, he was sort of sent upstairs for being a little bit naughty in children's church. So, you know, he was sent upstairs and Fule was preaching. And the moment Fule said, um, he was preaching Psalm 23 and Fule said um, something about, um, he leads me to still waters. This boy closed his eye and immediately entered a vision. And in the vision, God revealed his life to him. He revealed what he was going to do, where he was going to be, what his house was, his children, a little boy like that. Just receive, just a download, just a download of what God was going to do for him. A boy who had been sent up for being naughty. You see, God likes to meet you in those naughty moments. I said he likes to meet you when it's tough, when it's hard. You know, that's when God even wants to meet you. I tell you, don't check those moments. When you're not feeling good, run to God. He wants to meet with you when you're not feeling good. Amen. Praise God. And this boy had this download and went to tell his parents. And that's how we got to know how powerful it is, how God wants you to know what he has said about you. He doesn't want you to to be in the dark. He doesn't want you to be confused. God wants to reveal to you what he has for you. Hallelujah. So he met Jacob in this difficult situation. We're going to talk about this today. My first point is change is about encountering God. Change, any change is about an encounter with God. If God encounters you today about something, when God encountered Jordan today, Jordan is telling us now that offense is something he's gotten over because he had an encounter with God probably in his quiet time. He received from God, moved with God, and now he has experienced a change. I said change is about encountering God. It is about encountering God. Amen. If there's something you need to change you know, sometimes when you want to change something, you do all the hard things yourself. You want to stop smoking. You see your doctor. You get a patch and this and that and the other. You know, you keep doing all these things which you strive to do. But did you ask God first for the change? Did you say, God, help me to change? Did you say, God, I receive your change? I'm telling you, change in anything is about encountering God. You have to encounter God. Amen. Praise God. Because you can be in a twisted place or you can have a twisted situation in your life. But if you can encounter God, your identity is about to change. It's about to change. Hallelujah. When Jacob encountered God, lose in the darkness and the bleakness of that place became what? The house of God. It became the house of God. It became the gate of heaven. And that place was a bleak place. But because of an encounter, it changed and became what? The house of God. It became what? The gate of heaven. All you need is an encounter. And you need to press in to encounter God. You need to put time in. You need to put your desire in place to encounter God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jacob recognized that Luz had been transformed to Bethel. Why? Why had Luz transformed to Bethel? Why had a twisted place become a house of God? Because all of a sudden, in this bleak place, there was a ladder. 
it was on earth and it was going up to heaven. Therefore, heaven was accessible. The divine was accessible. Miracles were accessible. The interesting thing is the ladder is anchored on earth. We are on earth. But our ladder anchored from earth going upwards to an open heaven is Christ. Christ is our ladder. He's the one right here on earth with us. We got to situate him on the earth, our portion, our patch. It's like, boom, this is you, God. This is you, Christ, my ladder, right from here as I access heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I have this to say that Christ is our ladder. Not everything, my second point, not everything going upwards from earth is heaven bound. Sometimes we think, you know, all sorts of things going upwards is heaven bound. You know, as we climb up in life, this or that or the other job or this or that situation. But not everything going upwards is heaven bound. You know, in Genesis 11, there was a wicked kingdom that was trying to build a tower up to heaven. They were seeking to build this tower by their own plans and schemes. But the Bible tells us that God divided their evil purpose by dividing their languages. Therefore, he divided their unity of purpose. When people have evil schemes or prideful schemes, we ought to pray for the division of their communications. When we see evil things mounting on this earth, going higher and higher, we ought to pray for the division of their communications because that was the strategy that God used. But this word is just to say that not everything going upward is necessarily the dollar of God going up to heaven. Amen. So Jacob marks the place of encounter. He marks the place of encounter. So he wakes up, the place still looks the same. Nothing has changed in the natural. It's still bitter, it's still bleak, it's still loose. But he knows something has happened. Why? Because he has encountered God. And because he has encountered God, something has changed. It may not look as if it's changed, but it's changed. You know, when I encountered God and I gave my life, it didn't look as if anything much had changed. You know, but something fundamental had changed. It's the same with you when you encounter God. It may not look like much has changed in that moment, but something has changed. So because of that, Jacob marked the place of encounter, and he says he called it the house of God. When God encounters you, you become the house of God. You become the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. When he encounters you, you become the house of God. Even though it may seem like nothing changed, but you have now become the house of God. You see, he marked the place of encounter because when that encounter happens, a covenant is established. God now has a covenant with you. He has an agreement with you. And God doesn't break his agreements. Hallelujah. People break their agreements all the time, but not God. So when that place of encounter, a covenant is established. Then the third thing Jacob said about the place is that it's the gate of heaven. So when God encounters me, I have become a gate to heaven. You have become a gate to heaven. 
You know there is an access between you and heaven. You can pray for people to break through. You can minister and people will break through. You have become a gate to heaven because of the encounter. Something has shifted. It may not look like it has shifted in the natural, but it has shifted. And if you can believe that, the natural will soon be informed of the transition that has taken place. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So a, a house is a place of worship. We call it a house of God. Bethel, house of God. A place of worship is not just an ordinary brick and mortar. If you look around here, it can just look like an ordinary brick and mortar. And because of that, and because people are, we, we are, we've been talking a lot more about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, we tend to downplay even the brick and mortar structures where people meet. Because we say, I'm the temple, I'm the temple. And indeed you are. But there's something about that place that is also dedicated and has therefore become the house of God. There is something different about it. It's not any ordinary house. It's not any ordinary house. Once it has been touched by an encounter, once loose, the twisted place has been touched by an encounter, it's no longer loose. It is Bethel. Hallelujah. And it is now a gate to heaven. I said you are sitting in a gate to heaven. I said you can access, you can access heaven from this place. And it's so important that we need to see things which are spiritual. It's so important that we need to see things because otherwise we make everything common and we make everything the same. And you know, God was not angry with Jacob in spite of all his many sins. The person God was angry with was Esau. Why? Because he said Esau was profane. He couldn't recognize spiritual things. He said he sold his birthright, his birthright for a, a vegetable soup, not even meat too. Not even meat stew, just ordinary vegetable stew. He sold his whole birthright. And God says, I'm angry with that guy because he cannot recognize what is spiritual. There is a difference between spiritual and carnal. And you must recognize the difference. You must recognize the difference between what is spiritual and what is carnal. Hallelujah, because God expects you to recognize it. Hallelujah. Upon all Jacob's sins and betrayals and lies, God encountered him because he knew that Jacob had a desire for the spiritual. Even though he, because of his flesh, he was carnal. It's so important for you to develop your thirst for the spiritual. Your thirst has to be for the spiritual, not for the carnal. The carnal things, they are added on. He says, these things shall be added on. These shoes shall be added on. Your car shall be added on. It's nothing if you compare it to the spiritual. And we have to really develop this ability to prioritize the spiritual. Amen. Praise God.